You, you hear me? Yeah. Okay. I think I need to send. All right. There we go. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Inside the Cage Hoops. I am your man, Jerome Spann, and we've got today again boy, with us, man. ladies and gentlemen. What's up, bro? Hey, what's up, everybody? It's your boy, Mace. I'm ready. I'm here. Ready for more hot cake. Let's get it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we know this week is All-Star Week for the NBA. And um, outside of the foolishness that we both feel like that it is that they're even having anything going on um, for All-Star Weekend, you know, we can at least talk about what's going on. And um, so we'll start here with Terrell. Did you end uh, I mean, excuse me, Mace, did you end up seeing the competitions that were going on, like the um, Bleacher Report, 100K Knockout and stuff like that? Did you see any of those by chance? Uh, I did not. Um, um, only thing I really caught wind of was just the celebrity two-on-two game. But I mean, really didn't have no interest in any of that, man. I just, like I said, like you said at the beginning, man. I mean, uh, this All-Star game, this All-Star weekend or or day, just doesn't seem like. Yeah, it just doesn't make much sense. I mean, it feels heavily, heavily unsafe. So I, I can't celebrating in a normal way that I would. But since we're here talking about All-Star Weekend, um, let's start here with, Mace, what are some of your favorite All-Star memories? Oh, man. Uh, The duel between T-Mac and Jordan when he came back to the Wizards, man. I mean, Mm -hmm. that one one right there, bro, like uh, for for people my age that didn't really – see Jordan. I mean, of course, we were around for it, but didn't really see it. It was kind of one of those glimpse into the past type moments. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was that, that one, that one's probably one that's gonna always um, as far as the All-Star Weekend, another All-Star Weekend moment, I mean, Vince Carter's dunk contest. I mean, bruh. <laughs> Man. Oh man, you were talking I'd about. That, that's gotta, yeah, that's got to be number one on a lot of people's so, list, right there. Out of, out of the dunks that he did that night, which one was your favorite? Um, the uh, three sixty windmill. Yeah, yeah. That, for me, that, that one because I used to man, uh, I used to lower the goal. I used to my my friend had a goal. I used to lower that thing down to nine nine feet and have mm-hmm. our own little dunk contest. So I was like, I'm I'm, I'm gonna hit the thing today. I love that dunk. Um, I would also say that the between the legs was ridiculous because with both of those dunks, it was almost like he was like posing for you in the air to see it. Like that's how long he was up there. And it's, it's crazy to see that it's crazy in my mind. And every time I go back and watch the clip, I'm like, this guy was legitimately consistently eyes were above the rim as he's jumping and it's like this is wild man like how, how do you have that yeah. much athleticism to do that that is that is insane i will say since we're talking about the dunk, dunk contest i'm gonna be the one to say it dwight howard got cheated against nate robinson i don't care what anybody ever tries to say <laughs> that was bullcrap nate robinson got to try his dunk like 800 times man before he finally got it off one time. Dwight Howard's was more impressive. Also, um, Andre Iguodala got screwed one year 
when he had the alley oop off the side of the backboard that he oh, caught. Oh man, yeah, off the side. Oh yeah, that was- yeah. He got screwed that year, so that that was another great, great performance in a dunk contest. But um, I want to say the the Jason Richardson dunk contest. Oh, he was bananas um, too. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That man it, what was what it was what it was like. 2004, 2005 or something like that? Something like that, man. And it yeah, was crazy. That was when he had all his springs. That was before any of the injuries hit him. So, yeah, <laughs> that that was a fun, fun guy to watch go out there and perform in the dunk contest. Crazy part is, right, I don't hate on Nate Robinson, right, because I actually enjoy the when there's a little guy that has ups like that and they can do some spectacular things. But my thing was, is like, he's trying his dunks. 50, 60 times every time, you know, and it's like, this is stupid. This is yeah, a waste man, of time. I, there should be a minimum. There should be like a max. Maybe you get max three, four times. Well, you know, well, that, you know that's what – it's because of what happened with Nate. That's why they have the uh, the rules the now that they have right? in place. Yeah, it's because of that. It's because everybody started finding it patently ridiculous that you're giving guys 1,500 tries to go get a dunk off. Yeah, man. So, See, that, but, that that one was that one was fairly ridiculous. I mean, I, as as you talk about it, I remember that now, man. I mean, <laughs> the dunks would have looked. Yeah, you're, you you're thinking about the it. first, maybe even the mm-hmm. second time. You know what I'm saying? Those mm-hmm. were some great dunks. But it's like, bro, time number ten. It's like, dog, just <laughs> lay that thing up and be and be done with. Yeah, man. So his his uh, performance was very. It was underwhelming for sure. Um, Anybody, I'm trying to think, is there anybody else that really, really impressed me with their performance in the dunk contest in my life? Um, I like see, the, like, uh, I like <laughs> the, um, the Levine and uh, Aaron Gordon duel. Uh, you know what? I forgot about that one. That one was a lot that of fun. One, that one was really good. I, I still, still think Aaron Gordon should have won that one, and I'm going to die on that hill. Mm-hmm. But uh, my man's dunks were just ridiculous. I mean, the timing—the timing he had to, with the little mascot on the uh, segue—the mm-hmm. timing he had just for that one alone, bro. I mean, don't get me wrong; both of their dunks were impressive. But I mean, that one goes beyond just going up there, being able to jump high and, and dunking a ball. Like you got to time that right. You, mm-hmm. you know, you're. You're gathering as the guy's coming around and hoping that hoping that you hit your peak as he's at the right spot. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, oh yeah. And let me also put this on record. Blake Griffin jumping over that car didn't impress me. No. I, I mean, I know everybody was trying to be impressed, but first off, he jumped over the hood of the car. Okay. Second off, come on, bro. What NBA player couldn't do that? You park the thing basically right under the rim. It wasn't like he he had to take off from the free throw line and jump over the space of the car and still dunk it. It was like it was right by the rim. Listen, I'm six foot tall, and in my heyday, I could jump on top of a kid. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Exactly. That 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 really was not that impressive to me, bro. Like like I said, jump over the hood. All right, cool. I could probably do that now. I'm thirty and busted. Speaking of crazy athleticism, did you see the video? Of Demarcus Ware jumping like sixty four inches, bruh. He he's 
He may not have the the whole desire to play football anymore, but I guarantee you he is in better shape than like ninety percent of defensive players in the league right now. It is ridiculous, man. Like when I saw it, I was like, "Oh my god, this guy is still in this type of shape! Like this is crazy. How is this even possible?" I mean, but, he looks better now because he's leaner. Oh yeah, he looks he looks more just like an athlete and not like a kind of weird shit yeah. football player, you know, cuz cuz he was never the heaviest guy, you know, he was always more a little bit lean, but he had to put on all that muscle. But looking at him now, it's just like Yeah, I bet he, he looks like he was around like 220 maybe and just lean yeah. and fat and just ready, bruh. I wouldn't want to see him on the court, bruh. Not I feel like I feel like even if he doesn't have like all the handles and all that, he's just that dude that they he he's gonna rough you up. You know what I mean? He's going in there <laughs> to get the rebounds and he's going right back up with it. And it's like that's a long day dealing with somebody like that, man. Yeah, that's not something you want want to deal with ever. <laughs> no, not at this point. Uh, uh-uh. I'm cool on that, baby. I'm cool on that. I'm here to I'm here to mess with the youngins. I I'm not gonna mess with the exactly. old guys. I'm just here to get, old in, man, I'm here to get in, in them young butts' heads and, and, and throw them <laughs> off their game a little bit. You know? That's about yeah. that's about as much as my game as I got right now. Like I had games. That's it. <laughs> gotta get them. Gotta get them out there doing them crazy stuff and make them. Oh, I gotta get this old head. Now I'm 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 an old head now, man. I'm thirty, like I'm I'm the old head now, and it, it's uh it's a weird time because I remember being out on the court on the field, being that like damn, okay, you almost thirty out here, okay, mm-hmm. okay, I see now. I'm the old dude out there. It's like, Bruh. yeah, body don't feel the same no more. That's no, all it no. is. <laughs> but moving forward here, I. I feel like we both had some you know some great memories there the only other one that I really wanted to touch on was um when Shaq brought it down and dunked all over David Robinson oh my <laughs> like I'm not a, I wasn't even a Shaq fan at that time and that made me get out of my seat and scream because it was so ridiculous like this dude seven feet tall 300 some pounds right and he's coming down like a point guard and just dunked all over David Robinson so that was excellent. By the way, you, you that, that man, he he had that same sickness that Michael Jordan had because you know all those years of him talking about uh, David Robinson snubbed me and da da da. He never did that. It never happened. <laughs> it never had. He's admitted it. He it never happened. He was it was just something that he had to use to motivate himself because he said every time he played David Robinson, he was uh he was getting the work from him. So that's how he motivated himself. Hey, when you gotta find that motivation somewhere, somehow, man. Mm-hmm. If if you need if you need to find you a rival, hey, bro, do what you gotta do. Yeah, you're not wrong. But with that being said, we'll, we'll talk about tonight's All Star game that is going to happen between Team LeBron and Team Durant. Uh, so, who are you feeling is coming out with this dub tonight, T? Um. To, to to start off though, um, did you hear about the news that Embiid and uh, Simmons are both going to be out for the game? Why are they both out? Uh, for uh, <clears throat> contact tracing for COVID, and they were just like, we're just not oh, even going to bring anybody in. This oh. So, oh. so like said, it just goes back to that point of bro, they shouldn't even be having the All Star game right now. No, it makes no sense to have this All Star game. No sense. Did you see that? Uh... 
They're talking about that some of the Instagram models are down there sleeping in U-Hauls, bro, because there's a lack of hotels. Oh, wow. Yeah, man. So it's like, oh, come on, guys. Like, we, yeah, they should, they should have never should... even had this thing, man. No, no, it it just doesn't make any sense to have it. Like it, just give the guys or you know a little bit more resting time and just move on. There's there's no need to actually have this celebration like this. Like I'm sorry, it's foolish. It's a very very foolish decision on their part. But that sucks because I, I love watching Embiid in the All Star games because he seems to play at a level where he's always trying to prove a point. But back to the point of who's going to actually win the game. Um, after looking at the initial rosters, I mean, Team LeBron just seemed a little bit more balanced, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I mean, they, they have they have the better shooters. I mean, you pairing LeBron with uh, Giannis, and I mean, Steph's out there on the floor. It's gonna be it's gonna be a fun one. At, at least it's going to be fun. You're going to see some uh, crazy shots going up. So did you laugh as hard as I did when they were picking the teams and the last two dudes on the on the list were the, both of the guys from the Jazz? Because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean the, the Jazz players just don't strike you as all-stars, man. They just don't. I mean, no. they have the best record there. They're a really good team, but you mm-hmm. don't – they don't – Strike me as Gobert. I mean, Gobert's rare. What is he averaging? What like eight points a game or something like that? He might, he might be in double digits. I don't know. I think I, like he said, I don't might know. be in. I think he's like in double digits, but I think it's something low because I know Ingles is averaging more, and I know Conley's like their other score. So yeah, so. I mean, um, I understand he's not there to score, but at the same time, you're going to be an all-star. You got to be a motivator. I mean, you just can't be out there to play defense and rebounds and expect to make it to a game like the all-star game. Like, that's where your stars shine regardless, you know? Well, you know what the problem is, is that we're looking at a league where there's not enough big men that do that consistently night to night. We're looking at a league full of big men We'll use Cat as an example, okay? Supremely talented guys, but they don't have the dog in them, so they don't go out there and dominate every night, especially on the defensive end. You know, you got to have dog in you if you're going to go out there and be a good defender and be consistent night to night about it. But look at the league. I mean, let's, let's talk about it for real. Big men defenders who are really good in the league. We've got what? Embiid, uh, Anthony Davis, Rudy Gobert, and who else? Giannis is a good defender, but he doesn't. The way he defends doesn't doesn't. It's not like conventional big man defending. Like he can move his feet really well. Like he can switch on pick and rolls and all that stuff, and he can stick with your guards and all that. I mean, he's athletic, so he's gonna get uh, block shots at the rim. But he doesn't mm-hmm. strike me as a post defender. But look, we're talking about what four guys now? Yeah. Yeah. And we're talking about four guys. And and you know what? I'll be respectful. Bam out of bio. I'll throw him in there because he, he does have that type of impact on the game, too, where he can guide, guard inside and out. But the problem is, is that he's not really a big man like those other guys that we listed are. You know what I mean? He's like the, the undersized big man. Yeah. And, and and speaking of these big men, um, has what happened to Jared Allen? I mean, before the trade. Well, he's or, on the Cavs, bro. The Cavs okay, stink. 
that that makes all the sense right there. Because I mean, I mean, at, at minimum, he was a really good rim defender, and now it's kind of oh, like it's... go pu- go pull up his numbers, Mace. You'll be surprised. He's been playing. Like statistically, his numbers have actually been better in Cleveland. But again, you're on the Cavs. The Cavs are are basically a cesspool at this point. So, well, I mean, how are you really going to get any shine? You know, when when you're on a team that's going nowhere anytime fast, and they don't have a star that anyone would be like, okay, well, at least they got this guy. I can watch him. Yeah, yeah, you make a great point. I mean, like I said, I I knew he was a he was a nice defender on the Nets because the Nets were getting mm-hmm. some coverage. He, like people were. He's just like Bam, him. though. Yeah, he's just like Bam, another undersized guy. He's big man by position, but is he actually really big man? Nah, not no, really. No, <laughs> you know, and, and that's what I mean. So we look at the league, and, and this is where I'm getting at. It's like. I understand why Gobert gets the praise that he does because there's just such a lack of big men that are actual real rim protectors and can get out on the perimeter and defend at this point that when you're the guy that's probably the best at doing it of the big men, you're going to get a lot of um, accolades and, and a lot of applause and recognition just for being the guy that's the best at doing it. Yeah, because, I mean, if, if this is the – if this is the late '90s, mid 2000s, Gobert's just another center. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he's contending with the the Shacks, the Duncans, David Robinsons. I mean, there there's plenty of centers that would have um, basically thrown him to the wayside as just another guy. Yeah, the game is so marketably different now because. There's been such an emphasis put on three-point shots that it's begun to distort how teams play the game, right? Where let's let's talk about the NBA Finals, right? In the NBA Finals, the Lakers were hitting their threes, right? But Anthony Davis and LeBron were still getting on that block and getting easy buckets. You know, it, it, a lot of teams I think have lost sight of. You're not going to find a Steph Curry and a Klay Thompson. You're lucky if you find one of those two, right? You're lucky. You're not, yeah, so I mean, right now, you need I mean, to build your team around the skills that your guys have and stop trying to pigeonhole everybody into playing the game one way because there's not only one way to win in the NBA. Yeah, I mean, I think the team is right now, they've lost the value of the easy two. Mm-hmm. Like an easy, like an easy two mid post. You give a dude a ball on the mid post with some semblance of skill. He's gonna make the right choice. Like he's gonna either find somebody open because you got a double team because like there's not that many post defenders, mm-hmm. or he's gonna put a move on a dude and at least get fouled. It it's honestly it's maddening to watch because. I used to be, I'm used to basketball being played a certain way for so long, right? And it well, what's made me angry is that I'm a guy, you know, you know this Mace. I have no issue with analytics. I actually like them. But I feel like the game has shifted so much to where people are trying to do things based off of analytics that don't make sense with the personnel that you actually have. 
You know, you you they're wanting to make the Golden State Warriors or something like that, but don't have nearly the pieces that they need. It's like there's this lack of awareness and understanding of how special guys like Clay Thompson and Steph Curry are at what they do. But yeah, it's definitely it's definitely I mean, look at the the Rockets for so long. Like with Daryl Morey there as the GM, I mean, they just found ways to get rid of post players to find another guard, to find another shooter. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. they they won regular season games because it's hard to match up with that night in and night out. But like I said, out, outside of, of the Chris Paul time there, they never really seemed to threaten. But that was because Chris Paul actually made them play real basketball. That's the thing. If if you notice, they were still a three-point shooting team, but they were actually running sets. You know, Chris was actually getting them moving around. It wasn't just stand around, look at James. And that was good for them, and that's why they had such a struggle as soon as Chris Paul got hurt. I mean, I'll still, to this day, will say, hey, the Rockets would have won that series if Chris Paul doesn't get hurt. They were going through oh, the game that he got hurt. They were about to win that game, but then he got oh, definitely, hurt. Definitely. And the game completely flipped over. And unfortunately, <clears throat> unfortunately for that Rocket team, they couldn't overcome that. And why? Because the, exactly what we're talking about, where teams became way too reliant on just getting threes. It's all about the threes. all about the threes. It's like, no, two points count two. They count two. Yeah, definitely. Like that. I mean, two. I mean, like like I said, man, the easy two is is something that a lot of teams have gotten away from. Like I don't mean just like the regular mid range. Let me pull up, get a mid range. Like there's mm-hmm. there's easy ways to get to get buckets. I mean, you look at that madness that we saw the other week uh, with the Pelicans, Mace, where. They have a four on one breakaway and everybody ran oh, to the three point line. Man. Oh my <laughs> you need two to tie the game and everybody's running to the three point line. <laughs> so it's like come on. Man. Denver as well. Yep. It's like, what are you guys doing, man? Stop just trying to get the damn three. Yeah, I think the two would have tied the two game up for them. Yep. Yep. Get that two. I mean, there's like three point something seconds left. Get the two. Play overtime. It, it's it's almost as if they're too desperate to want to win the game instead of okay, let me play more basketball and just be the better team. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so who do you pick on the game tonight, though? Because we totally got off track there. Who do you got tonight? Um, I'd say it's gonna be uh, Team LeBron. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah okay. I, like I said, I I like that. I like the way that team is set up a little bit more than Team Durant. I mean, like I said, they just seem a little bit more balanced. Um, and like I said, the first three, the, probably the first like first half and maybe part of the third quarter is just gonna be those those guys are showing off. But like, come game time, I feel like 
Team LeBron just has a little bit more diversity to to win in more different ways. You know what I'm saying? You know what? Just to make things interesting, I'm going to take KD because he he's always seems to go crazy in the All-Star game. So I'm going to take Team KD. Let's see where this I goes do, right I here. I do expect Steph to have a good shooting night. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like if, if I was going to pick an MVP, I'm saying Steph Curry. You put him on the floor with Giannis and LeBron, I mean. My MVP is going to be KD. I think he's going to go crazy. This might be one of those where KD goes for like 45. Yeah, definitely very well could be. So with all these great players that we're talking about here, guys that can really fill it up, Mace, um, I was curious on this with you. Who do you feel is the best scorer in the league? Not the best overall player, but the best scorer in the league. Uh, best scorer? Ah, oh, man. Um, I got to go with Durant. I just, I mean, there's just, there's just really nothing he can't do. I've, so you you would disagree with the, with someone like Charles Barkley who continually says that James Harden's the most talented offensive player in the league? I do on the sense that I well his time at the Rockets it, it was weird cuz I mean he put up a lot of numbers but if you looked at his stat lines he would be there would be like 5 for 20 from the field but yet he's 20 for 20 from the free throw line so I mean it, it's it's a we, it's weird to see him score all those points, mm-hmm. but not make a lot of shots. Yep. So I, I uh, can't necessarily put him as like my top guy. Like, don't get me wrong, James Harden still is a great basketball player, and there's not too many more scores or players that you would want on your team before James Harden. But uh, I just feel like he made his money in Houston on exporting the rules. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> yes. he, found, he found ways to get fouls above all else. Like his main goal was to get a foul instead of making a shot. Yeah. While that, You're while, not that wrong. Doesn't, while that doesn't discredit his numbers, but you saw in the playoffs when the ref stopped blowing that whistle a little bit, James Harden had a tough time. That's not the score that I want on my team. And that's consistently why I haven't been able to believe in any James Harden-led team is because he's so free-throw dependent that it makes me not believe in him because, like you said, you turn around and you look up some of these nights, he'll have 40, and then you look at his actual shot line, he'll be like 9 of 27. But he's got all these free-throws. You know, and it's like, well, this is that's not skillful. That's not amazing. That's you are abusing the refs. And I'm glad that in the playoffs that they do tend to stop calling so much of those nonsensical fouls. But what I would wish they would do is in the regular season, stop calling them, too. So we can just put a whole stop to it because it doesn't make sense that in the regular season, you're going to call it a foul. But in the playoffs, you're like, nah, nah, B, you were just flopping. It See, should living, be the same living, all the time. Living out here in Houston, you get like the local broadcasters, right? Mm-hmm. So they're calling these games on the Rockets and everything. And um, 
you 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 get the little snippets like oh the young refs called James Harden they give James Harden way more foul calls than than the the veteran refs, and I think that just goes to maybe how either a ref is being trained or maybe that these guys might be starstruck. Oh, it's James Harden. We got it. He's got he's gonna put these numbers up. Like if he goes to the fight, if he goes to the bucket and he flails, and obviously he got fouled, there's no other way around it. Mm-hmm. But then when you get to the playoffs, it's all the veteran refs, it's all the 10, 12 year guys that okay, well, they've seen every dude come in and flop once or twice to try to get a call just like, nah, dude. Like, <laughs> they've seen them all. Yeah, they throw their head around. They've seen the uh... so so like I said, I think James Harden is he's a special case when it comes to scoring because the way he plays exploits the rule, but not not like I said he does obviously he's not breaking rules, but like he exploits he takes advantage of knowing that if he does X, Y, and Z this is going to be the outcome every time. Like, uh-huh. I mean, you see the, the flailing of the legs on, on the three-point shot. You see the, you see the, the hooking guy's arms. You see, you see all of that, and you're just like, I, I, it's not pleasing to watch James Harden play when he's doing that. Nope. When, he, when, he's, when he's saucing the dude up, giving him the, the – the between the legs fake step back. Okay, that, that's nice. You want to see stuff like that, but it's either that or it's a foul going to the bucket. And uh-huh. I said I'd rather have KD as a scorer. He's my top scorer in the league right now. So yeah, no, I, I agree with you entirely. Um, KD is without a shadow of a doubt the best scorer in the league. Um, I, I, you know, I'm a big LeBron fan, but Kevin Durant. Since he's been in the league, I've felt like nobody has the ability to score the basketball the way that he does. And especially since he's he's gotten his confidence to that level when he when he started realizing, like, wait a minute, I'm unguardable. It became so great watching him. It was already fun before watching him play, right? But when he got to that <laughs> mental level where it was like, oh, my God, I'm unguardable. It doesn't matter if a guy steps up in my face or anything. I'm going to just make my shots. It's whether I make or miss. And at this point, knowing that about him, it's like watching a master at work. Yeah, because I, I remember watching KD, even at his, uh, his freshman year at the University of Texas. I mean, he was he was wildly he, athletic. He was taller than everybody. He could drug them he dudes could to the tournament, bro. Yeah, drug he, them I mean, dudes. He drug some, I mean, was P.J. Tucker on that team? I don't remember. Um, Or maybe he came a couple years after, or a year or two after KD. I think P.J. was after KD. Yeah. But, yeah, he, he drugged those guys. Let's say he drugged those guys to the tournament, man. I mean – and that and that was with not gonna say minimal skill, but he was nowhere near the KD that we saw uh, uh, take Oklahoma City to the finals. You know what I'm saying? Like he, he you, watching him like, grow as an offensive player, man. That's probably been one of the the best joys I've had watching basketball in a while. Because I mean, he went from a guy who could run, jump, and shoot. 
And now he can break <laughs> you, he can break you down. He can break you down in the mid post. He can he can break you down on a three point line, get past you, shoot on, shoot on top of you. I mean, it's just ridiculous watching him. And I think for me, the part that's the most impressive is that he is so damn efficient. It is ridiculous how efficient he is. He doesn't waste. Like, he's the guy that can average 30 a game but doesn't need the most amount of shots. I mean, think about this, Mace. He's averaging almost 30 a game this year, right? And he's only taking 18, well, basically 19 shots a game. And he's shooting on, and think about this, shooting on the year 52% from the field. Oh, so so his efficiency is outrageous. I mean, look, we'll, we'll go we'll go starting with his rookie year, right? So you look rookie year, he's forty three percent on the year. The next year, forty seven, then forty seven, then forty six. Then this is when Kevin Durant figured out he was unguardable. It is twenty eleven, twenty twelve. Okay. He goes, he goes up from 43 to 49, then it's 51, 50, 51, 50, 53, 51, 52. Um, didn't play last year, <laughs> now 52 again this year. So, like, it brings him to, for his career, he's a 43.9%, uh, 43.3% free throw, uh, field goal percentage at this point. So, at this rate, if he continues on at the clip that he is, he's going to finish for his career as primarily a shooting type of score, he's going to finish shooting over 50% for his career. And think yeah, about this. Add, add this madness in, too. He's shooting 43% from downtown right now this year. And isn't he, like, consistently, like, around 90% from the free throw line as well? I mean, this man doesn't yeah, I'll miss. Tell you right now. Oh, yeah. So free throws, he has not in his career, he has not been below 85% for a whole season. And that's just, I mean, he doesn't miss too many opportunities to, to score mm-hmm. the ball. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's, it's mind blowing to watch him play because <laughs> he, he, I mean, even his dribbling is efficient. He's not out there giving dudes three, four moves before he makes it. He sets you up, makes his move, and either he's going to shoot over you or he's going to get to the bucket. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think that's probably the best thing about his offensive game is, like, he he's decisive in what he does. Like, it's not a – I mean, he'll come up and pull up on you from 25, 30, or he'll come up and give you a between-the-legs cross, and now he's off to the bucket. And and looking at it, Mace, that year that he, he got the eighty five percent, that was the year he only played twenty seven games. That was when he he got hurt. <laughs> huh. he, he didn't even have a chance to bring that up like we know he would have. You know? And that and and like the cra- I think the craziest part is when you look at it on that year, he was still averaging twenty five a game. That's just ridiculous, man. I mean. <laughs> It's crazy. Like, he is absurdly good. And if not for LeBron James being in the league, I would give Kevin Durant the title of best player in the league, best player on the planet. But there's still this guy named LeBron James out here playing it really an absurdly efficient level. 
<laughs> oh, man. Him and him, I don't know some well, I don't know what him and Tom Brady. I think they do something secret. They they got a secret spot they go to. They're just drinking from the fountain of youth that nobody else knows about, man. I mean Well for you know, for one, I know LeBron says he spends like a million dollars a year on maintaining his body. Yeah. That's a a mill a year just to make sure your body is in the position that it can be its best. And it's worked out for him. I don't blame him. It's a damn good investment. But that's how serious it is. I think that's where the average person gets it wrong, right? They don't realize that, yeah, it does. You do need a certain level of physical ability, right? And you also need a certain level of basketball talent for sure to get to the league. But what separates guys is when they take that ability and they refine it, refine it, refine it, refine it, refine it. Um, that's the only time you, you get the best out of players is when you see them go and refine, refine, refine their game and come back better. Yes, they may still have some weaknesses, but even the things that you can call their weakness, they're now at least good enough in to not feel uncomfortable doing it. Like LeBron, his weakness for for forever and a day, right, was being able to comfortably shoot the three ball. He could always shoot the mid-range shot. That was never his issue. It was about being able to just literally plant your feet, shoot the three ball. Ever since he's been able to plant his feet and shoot the three ball, I mean, we look at it all the time. How the how the hell do you guard this guy? There's yeah, no way I you mean, can. From that from <clears throat> from that moment, like I said, I'll always put LeBron on the sword in, in that in the finals versus um, Dallas of not being able to consistently shoot. But like since that moment, he's been a markedly better shooter. Like he, he realized that he has a major hole in his game and that's not going to be the case anymore. The thing that I, that bothered me the most about that um, Miami versus Dallas series, he was allowing JJ Barea to be an effective defender on him. That was what bothered me. It was like, dog, all you literally have to do is take him in the post and go. He cannot guard you. He can't. He's on. This is a dream. You know, this is a basically a nightmare for JJ Barea getting stuck on you, and you made it into a dream opportunity. So that was very disappointing on him. But other than that, I, I don't think I can ever say I've been disappointed with a LeBron James performance in high level games. Like that was that was utterly yeah that like I said disgusting. That was, if you want me to be honest, it was that really like I said that that's. I like to say I, w- I will hold LeBron over the sword for that particular mm-hmm. series, but from that point, I mean, you really can't hold him. Hold it, you can't you can't do that to him anymore. You can't guard him in that fashion anymore. I know nope. he's still the athletic freak he was. 12 years ago, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and now he now he can pull up. His mid-range game is way better. I mean, a man's going out there giving dudes a, a little shoulder shimmy mm-hmm. and, and a fadeaway on you. And, like, there's nothing you can do about that because if you play him too hard, he's just going to go around you or find an open shot. I mean, there's really not much you can do no. when LeBron is – when LeBron's ready to ball, like come playoff time, like I said, I mean, I, 
I understand you, you want to conserve a little bit of regular season. Come playoff time, there's really not much you can do except hope Mm-mm. that he makes the shots. Mm-mm. You just pray. That's it. So while we're over here talking about some of the greatest of all time, let's talk about one of the greatest that was of the previous generation here. Your man's the dude that I know helped make you fall in love with basketball to a greater degree. Kobe Bean Bryant. All right, man, let me, I'm going to start this off. Uh, Kobe for me was, he was basketball for me, you know, Um, he just, I think what 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 really sold me on Kobe more than anything, any far anything over than the skill was just the, the determination. He came into the league. It wasn't like he came to the league and set it on fire year one. You know what I'm saying? Like he came off the bench, what, two, three years and really, really was kind of he was ascending, but not at a high rate. Like you didn't expect Kobe Bryant to end his career 33,000 points if you looked at his first three years in the league. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. his determination to get better was probably that thing that just kind of made me and so many other people fall in love with Kobe. And he was just, like I said, he was just basketball. He only, he, he was what, I mean, till this day, I mean, you should, you, where's your little bucket at? You got a, you got a, a ball of paper. What you going to yell out? Kobe. I mean, Kobe, even, I mean, you hear stories all the time about guys in the league. Now, some of the young guys, Kobe's the reason why MB, like Kobe's the reason why I started playing. I mean, you look at Jason Tatum, he, for all intents and purposes, wants to, has mimicked his game after somebody like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. it's it's crazy, man. Uh, I watched Kobe go from the fro to ball head to an Achilles injury to <laughs> dropping sixty on it on on his the night that he retired. Man, I mean, I think I let I think I kept that that game his retirement game on my DVR for a solid year. Mm. Like it, it was, I mean, I could probably go on. Let me, let me get your take a little bit and, and uh, get, get my thoughts together. Yeah, no, no, for sure. Um, I know that that's your guy. Cause I, I'm sure some emotions were uh, drawn up there and I, and I can appreciate that, you know, most definitely like, um, for those that have listened to this show or, or have listened to Inside the Cage or they know me, look, all you guys know, I am not a Kobe stan, okay? And it is not a disrespect to Kobe Bryant at all. I, I want everybody that's listening to this to understand very clearly. Before he died, I stated Kobe Bryant was a first ballot Hall of Famer. But... What makes the difference for me on him is that I personally do not believe he is in the level of the Michael Jordans, the, the LeBrons, and and guys of that nature. I, I don't feel he's on that level. And I have a solid reasoning behind it. It isn't just a hate thing because I, I, I don't I don't hate Kobe Bryant. I hate 
I hate some of his fans because <laughs> because some of his fans are, are are will tell you ridiculous things like he's as good as Michael Jordan and that's patently not true. Okay, um, but Kobe Bryant was without a doubt one of the most exciting players over my lifetime. He consistently went out there and put on a show night after night. Now, people always ask, what is my issues with Kobe Bryant? And I can explain it to you very simple. Anybody that knows me and knows how I watch basketball and knows how I, how I judge sports in general, you have to be efficient. I am not the fan of the guy that is going to be taking majority of your shots but shoots under 50%. I will never, I will never tell you that that guy is as good as what you think he is because – if you are the man on your team and you're taking most of the shots, you should shoot over 50%. It, 50% should be the bare minimum for you, right? If you're the elite level guys, like if you're these guys that everybody's talking about is at the very, very top of the game, right? You should shoot at least 50%. So let's run through this with Kobe, right? Over his career, season by season, we'll, we'll take out the, you know, the, uh, those first two at this, at the beginning where he didn't really, um, get that much minutes per game, right? His minutes per game at that point was only at max 26. But let's just go from 98 on, right? So Kobe, 46, 46, 46, 46, 45, 43, 43, 45, 46, 46, 46, 45, 45, 43, 46, 42, uh, 37. That was the year of the Achilles injury, if I'm not mistaken. And then his final season, 35%. So I'm not trying to take away from Kobe Bryant's greatness. I'm just not ever going to view him in the same sense as everybody is a lot of the Kobe fans and stuff because he wasn't as efficient. And and I know a lot of them will say, Oh, well he was still balling out in the playoffs. Well, let's talk about that. Okay. For a lot of those memories that you guys had, if we actually were looking at anybody, if you applied these numbers to anybody else, not named Kobe Bryant, you would probably be like, this guy didn't play that great. So let's see here. Hmm. Let's go from 98 on 43, 44, 46, 43, 41, 49, 46, 47, 45, 45, 44, 43. He never shot over 50%, not in a playoff run, not over a course of a season. So when I view Kobe Bryant, I view him as one of the all-time greats, spectacular player, I mean, his will to win was outrageous, right? He was one of those guys that literally was like, no, I'm going to will us to win games, and I have a high level of respect for him. He was, like I said, absolutely entertaining. I mean, some of his dunks were are some of my all-time NBA favorite dunks. Like his dunk on Dwight Howard, one of my all-time favorite dunk down moments in a game ever. I, do you remember that one? Oh, yeah. So let yeah, me so- just – Chime in on a few Kobe snippets here. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, the the efficiency, yeah, you could say he shot like the low percentages, but I mean, you look at you look at his win percent when he scores sixty is a hundred percent. Um, his his winning percent when he scored over fifty, I want to say it's something around seventy two percent or something like that. Those are both like highs in the league. So, I mean, in, the, in those nights where he had to shoot a lot and score a lot for his team to win, they typically won. So, I think that goes to the test of 
he, he like I said, he was he's that guy. He's he's taking his team with him, and and so that that will to win really is the the lore of Kobe. Like you look at the the month he had before the Achilles injury was probably some of the the best basketball you could say the in in, in Kobe's latter years. Because, I mean, I want to say they were in something in, like, what, 10th or 11th place at that time? That was um when when they had brought in Dwight Howard right after the back surgery. They brought Steve Nash over, and, and they were, you know, those guys were chasing the ring and everything. And those guys were out, and it was just Kobe and not really much else. And he played himself into the dirt. To get that team to the playoffs, they end up being the what the eighth seed that year, and that was just a, that was just one of those moments of where like Kobe's legend just grew a little bit more, even though he's not on the court anymore. I mean, I get what you're saying. Like I said, my biggest thing though is I value efficiency. A lot of guys don't value it in the same way that I do, and that's that's fine. You can value it how you want to. I'm going to value it how I do, but I'm just never going to be one that that is going to try and sell you the wolf tickets that Kobe Bryant is like Michael Jordan or LeBron James. Because, look, if y'all want to talk about championships, Kobe Bryant was the most dominant player on his team for two of his championships, for two of them. The other three, it was Shaq. And if you try and say differently, you're a damn liar. Okay. No, I mean it was it was definitely Shaq as 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 that being the time where I really became a, a basketball fan, a Laker fan, and a Kobe fan. Like you could, Shaq was the guy for that team. But to Kobe's credit, Shaq needed a perimeter player to his skill level to, I guess, be as dominant. You know what I'm saying? Like you can't have a Shaq without a, a Kobe, a Penny, or a D-Wade. Well, you're, yeah, so you're I, not going to win a championship, yeah, but you're, yeah, you're, Shaq yeah. is still going to get his. That's the thing about it, is that Shaq was getting his, period. It's just, you, if you wanted to win a championship with him, you needed somebody that can get the job done on the perimeter, because he's going to kill it inside. You know, offensively, it's over with. Nobody in the league could guard him. So, he was going to dominate, but that's where it was a perfect balance for him and Kobe because Kobe at that time was a, he was a very perimeter player that wanted to just, you know, get the ball in perimeter and go to work, you know, and whether he was going to end up pulling up for the J or he's taking it to the hoop, he wanted to be able to make his own decision up. And young Kobe was man, like I say, some of that stuff that he did was outrageous, just extremely, and, and, extremely and exciting. To that point, man, uh, to that point of, of them being able to gel together, like for a second, man, Phil Jackson did a great job managing personalities. I mean, not even just with the Lakers. You look back at, at the Bulls and everything else. I mean, for for four four plus years, he got the best out of Shaq, and he found a way to get the best out of Kobe at a young age. And I'm he gets his credit for it, but I mean – that's just one of those things that gets overlooked when you start talking about the the Kobe and Shaq years, like mm-hmm. 
how well Phil got them to to play together, and how well yeah. he still set that offensive offense up to where Shaq was going to get his, but Kobe didn't feel. And Kobe still had his opportunity. So you know by saying? the by the end of it, um, there's been some reporting that's been done about this. Kobe's teammates have talked about it. And they and many of them maintain this as a fact. They said this before his death. Um, Kobe shot them out of that series against Detroit. They went into that series, and multiple people have confirmed this to the reporting of Jeff Perlman, right? That Kobe told them before that series started that he was going to win the MVP. And when that happened, they knew he, that they were going to be in trouble and they knew that Kobe was going to do something real reckless. Okay. So what was happening is, is that they were trying to stick within some of the principles of the triangle, but the ball would get to Kobe and Kobe would do his own thing. He would do it. And because he wanted to be the man on the team and that's really what it came down to. Um, I think Detroit was a a perfect storm for them too. Well, more than anything, the, the, once Carl got hurt and and then they had to start leaning more on Kobe, right? Because if you remember that year, the offense was Shaq, Carl, and Kobe, right? Those were your guys that they were going to go out there and get you your buckets. Well, once Carl's hurt, now it's back to just Shaq and Kobe. And you already know how, how Kobe was feeling at that time. He wanted to be the man. He really wasn't feeling all this other shit, so – it ended up just in a bad situation for that team to where legitimately everyone on that team feels like uh, Kobe Bryant shot them out of that series. And he did. If you go back and watch the games too, he did. You go back and watch it. It was like, dog, he put up some shots that you're like, what the fuck are you shooting that for? I don't deny it. I mean, the thing that I love about Kobe is the same thing that you can you can hate about Kobe, you know what I'm saying? I mean, but to Detroit's credit, they they were if they were the perfect team to take on a team with stars. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like they 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 built their identity on being a tough, hard nosed defensive team that was efficient on offense. Yeah, and the five, and, and they and they had the philosophy too that whoever our five is, we're gonna always be more overall talented than what you are. We may not have the best player that's on the floor, but our con- our construction of five people is gonna be better than what you're putting out there. So I mean, it it was it was tough to watch because you knew after that series that Laker team was never gonna be the same. Mm-hmm. Like you knew, I mean, even even without listening to the reports, this and that, like you knew, Shaq or Kobe was going to be gone after that series was over. I mm-hmm. mean, you knew that was Carl Malone and what what Gary Payton was on that team too. You knew that yep. was their that was their last hurrah. Like that was it. Like if they don't win a championship now, then then they're hanging it up. So you you watching that series. As a Laker fan, I knew that 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 was basically it. Like there was no, there's no coming back from that loss if we lost. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, well, you know, unfortunately that was that was the case though, but um to kind of round things out here for everybody, I think me and Mace are both in agreement. Kobe Bryant's a first ballot Hall of Famer that we're both sad to see that he had passed away. Um I'll tell you guys something to to really round this out here. With everything being said that I said about Kobe, since he retired from basketball, I was enjoying that Kobe more than I ever enjoyed NBA Kobe. We got to see him be a dad. We got to see him try and get into new ventures like the movie making. I was really excited to see where he was going to be able to go with that. Um, it was nice to see when him and Shaq had their moment to sit down and they were good and they told their stories. Like Stuff like that was cool. So I was really rooting for Kobe Bryant. It was generally very, very sad to see him pass. Um it just, yeah, it was a bad thing. But in my mind, I will, you know, I will celebrate him as a great NBA player and as somebody that gave me a lot of quality years of watching entertaining basketball. And he seemed to be at least a pretty decent human being, too. So it's hard to see him go, but I'm glad to see that the NBA is going to show him the, the, the proper respect and, and enshrine him. And I know they're going to do a real big for the hall of fame enshrinement ceremony for him. And hopefully look, I, as I told you guys, I'm not a Kobe stand, but I'd be all for changing the NBA logo to a silhouette of Kobe instead of it being Jerry West. Hey, let's get it done. Hashtag Kobe logo. Let's get it done. I'd be all for it, man. But to round out this week's show, Last week, we touched on Sasuke versus Naruto. But this week, we're going to give Mace a chance to do something a little different. Mace, <laughs> what you, got for me? you are a large fan of the show One Piece. You always want to try and get people to try and watch it. So, Mace, sell us on why we should start watching One Piece. Okay, so the first thing in people, they, it, it's daunting. Like, a thousand episodes... That's a daunting task. So what I what I tell people is is with, with most anime that are that are, have longevity, first season, it's it's rough to get through. I, I understand that, but it has the, the comedy that people look for in anime. Like there's a serious side to one piece that a lot of people never actually get to. I mean, you look at things like they 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 tackle discrimination, they tackle a a hierarchical government system where it's weighted towards the top percent and everybody else just kind of gets their scraps as it goes. I mean, it, there's, there's mystery to it. There's, there's world government secrets. It's, it's a show that once you are deep into it, you, you get the fulfillment of this is what I want in an anime. Like it's, it's, it takes a little time to get there. So you got to bear with the show. Like you got to bear with the show. But you, if you watch, if you're listening to this and you watch that show, you're going to be like, Mace sold me on probably one of the best animes I've ever seen. Huh. And that, that's really what it is, man. It's a, it's, it's a really good show. The character development, the character growth is phenomenal. I mean, but it's, why should I invest in that? <clears throat> Say I'm a person who hasn't watched that or Black Clover. Why should I invest in that over Black Clover? It's because of the longevity. Like I said, Black Clover, excellent. 
but one piece is going to give you the the satisfaction of watching your favorite character come from nothing to being great or your favorite character go from go from being just a, a fun loving person to you see like a new sides to their personality i mean it's not just the the the, the straw hat pirates i mean the way oda the creator of uh, of um one piece the way he's built that universe i mean there's hundreds of characters and they they all get a time where you see them at, in one light and they they have character growth and you see them differently like you see rivals for luffy and the other pirates you see them go from being somebody that may have been just a side character to now they show up half a year later or they show up seasons later and now they're they have a whole new perspective on who they are as a person and what their goals are so the character development in one piece i would probably say is is like the major like is the major selling point like if you want to watch an anime and you want to you're going to find your character and you're just going to watch them become great i guess That's fair. That's fair. Well, ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. That is Mace trying to sell you on One Piece. He's been trying to do this to me for years. Maybe he got one of you guys. I'm still questionable about an anime that has a million episodes like this show does, but maybe one day I will actually give it a try. Um, it does seem like it can be interesting. You and our and our friend Xavier, um, you both seem to be... Um, very big advocates of the show so maybe i'll end up giving it a try one day but ladies and gentlemen we'd like to thank you for taking your time here with us this week this was inside the cage hoops we will be back again with you next week sorry about the episode getting out late on you this week it'll be back again next saturday i know this one's coming out here on this sunday but we will be back again next saturday to bring you more basketball coverage and again we will see you what are we going to reach in the mystery crate for Terrell and Mace. I got something for both of you. I got something for Terrell that he doesn't know that I'm going to surprise him about. He'll probably listen to this and this. And then I got something for for you. I'm going to mystery crate both of you guys. <laughs> oh, can't wait, bro. Can't wait. But ladies and gentlemen, again, thank you very much for tuning in with us and taking your time on this beautiful, beautiful day to sit down and listen to us talk a little bit of, <laughs> a little bit of this and a little bit of that about basketball. So again, ladies and gentlemen, this is your man, Jerome Spann. And it's your boy Mace, man. Y'all have a have a beautiful day, man. It's great out there. And this is